Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. This is Pete Mitchell. This is Peyton Jones, and I got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> <laughs> no podcast that starts off like that is going to be good, Pete. <laughs> oh, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, you know. Well, let me start this podcast out with an apology. First for Pete, wait, second wait, wait. for John Ferguson, oh. and thirdly for... Uh, uh, for something that I said in the podcast last week, and it wasn't anything particular that I said, but I actually got an email, and uh, it I was, was it like, was very thoughtful. The I guy was just was like really to cool. say it's the first time you've gotten hate mail. Yes, and, and it wasn't he, really hate mail. No, I mean, he was cool about it, but you know he's from Pentecostal charismatic background, and uh, he he just said, "Hey, man, you know I, I was a little hurt listening to the podcast last week. I felt that uh, some of what you said, you know it." came off like this and he was right. Like I went back and I listened to what I said on the podcast. It's not what I intended, but, but it, it, it did kind of sound like what I was saying was, you know, I had those Pentecostals, you know, they're all a bunch of dummies and they never read the Bible and they really need the teachers. Well, we prophets do need the teachers for sure, but I definitely didn't mean to put that other bit or come across sounding like that. That's not what I feel. But I, I did mention repeatedly, hey, I'm speaking extremes here in generalizations. and uh, But, you know, we were recording out in a public space, and I just could have been less sloppy. But you got to admit, Pete, admit, Pete, it was pretty dang distracting at those tables. Like, moms are sitting down next to us looking over like, what are they doing? And we're just trying to get through this thing. We, we had had a packed morning. And uh, so anyways, for all you guys out there that are from – the Pentecostal charismatic circle. Well, I have they're, to they're say. They're not there anymore. They've quit listening now. Oh, they, uh, after last week, they're done. <laughs> but hey, just wanted to give really a heartfelt apology and just say, uh, I did not mean to come across like that. And um, that's it, man. It's not like we get money off you guys. So like I need anything from you or, you know, that but, is truly a heartfelt, sincere. Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm half in that camp. I don't really have a camp anymore. I'm so jacked up from all the places I've served that, uh, but, you know, but really I, l- let's be fair. They need to crack the Bible every once in a while. Right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, you know what? It was funny. Cause in my response, what I wrote back was really, I think I offended both camps. If you go back, cause I, I went back and listened with this sensitivity to, to what the, the email had said. And as I'm listening, I kept going, ouch, ouch, ouch. 
But I realize, you know, I've offended everybody. So I'm kind of like the South Park where this is an equal, you know, equal access program here. You know, it's a, uh, you know, all, all people are equally offended. So and I thought, you know, just speaking generally and in the middle, really my point was why these two guys need each other. So I was speaking to the weaknesses of both movements. You know, uh, the teacher guys would listen to that and go, man, you know what? He said that we're a bunch of boring, dry, crusty, cold, hate the Holy Spirit. And again, speaking but, to extremes, But let's face it, they're too busy reading the Bible to actually listen to our podcast. So they didn't listen. <laughs> they're too smart to listen to us, you know. <laughs> Really, really, I, we're the podcast for the rest of the core team. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I can't wait till I get some more hot uh, hate mail. It's kind of hey, fun. I miss it. I miss yeah, it. Yeah, you haven't gotten any in a while. It's been a while. Yeah. So that was your opportunity to say, I'll talk with Peyton. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think my favorite part was his, uh, his sign-off comment. Which was, there is an I in church planting, unless you spell it church planting. Without yeah, if you're in the South, baby, it's church planting. <laughs> and I just thought that was <laughs> hilarious because you sent me the email and I reply back to you. Like, I ignore all the rest of his, his email to you and I just go, he's right. There is an I in church planting. <laughs> yeah, you did. That's right. Because I sent it to you knowing you would be super encouraged to know that I got mail. <laughs> For something I said. Normally, it's Pete gets an inundation. Hey, you said this. And well, let's be honest, Pete barely talks. Imagine if we let Pete talk more, man. We just know that's buried under hate mail. That's really the hardcore church planning that I barely talk. I talk a lot more on this one. It's when we're interviewing folks that I, I rarely talk. Yeah. Just yeah. throwing that out there. Just just pointing out that little that little tidbit of info. Which, by the way, we had a good interview this week with Larry Osborne. If you haven't listened to uh, Hardcore Church Planning, you should go back and listen to it last yeah, Wednesday. You know, I, I had never uh, spent time with him, um, never talked to him even in a conversation. And uh, he was really cool, man. Just super down to earth. I got to tell you, my big concern as we interview these guys is uh, I never know how they're going to take that last question. <laughs> yeah. Know? I know. Uh, by the way, if you were to get into a fight with so and so, who would win? Because <laughs> it's like we're talking all Bible stuff, and then all of a sudden, uh, let's let Pete drop in the question. Go ahead, go so, for it. So I cannot imagine Philip Yancey if we had asked him that question. I would never have asked him. I literally would. I would just not even do that. So Philip, if you were to get in a fist fight with Mother Teresa, I think who it would be win? him and Francis Chan. I think, no, Mother Teresa. No, no. I see. I think if she were alive, she could take him. Oh, dude, she could take anybody. Oh, my gosh, she could. That's why <laughs> I think it should be Francis Chan. I, I kind of view them both as, as kind of like, you know, uh, non-Ed Stetzer types, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, if we're talking to, like, superpowers, if we're just going to throw in, and maybe that's a future question. Ooh. Hey, if you were a superhero, what would your superpower be? But if she had... Superpower, she'd be like Mighty Mouse because she's teeny, man. She was all of like, what, four foot something? She was a teeny little thing, was shriveled she? up woman. Yeah. I mean, I know I'm going to get hate hate mail for that comment, right? You can't say that about her. But she was, she was teeny. And I, I she hate to be the one to break this to you. The Catholics don't listen to this show either. No, no, but I, dude, uh, she's everybody's Catholic, right? Like she's the one that everyone shares. I'm just you know saying, I'm saying? I'm, I'm saying you're not going to get any hate mail. Hey, Gandhi's the Hindu everybody likes and shares. And uh, I don't know. Is there a Buddhist that everybody likes and shares? I don't I don't think there's any Muslims that everybody likes and shares. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, the, hey, the, I'm on the a Muslim roll. question, I, I will actually say this. My uh, my good friend uh, from college, uh, one of my roommates, um, he was over in. Thailand, Vietnam, uh, for a, a spell. He just, you know, like traveled over there and and lived for a while. And he said it was the weirdest thing when you'd see little kids running around with Osama bin Laden t-shirts, like positively Osama no bin Laden t-shirts. He goes, yeah, he goes, it's it's just a major culture shock. So I would say that there are, uh, you know, Muslim leaders that certain parts of the world probably could look up to. <laughs> It's just here in America, you're right. There, There isn't a one. Now, so. that's actually a T-shirt I would buy if it had like Ho Chi Minh, 
Stalin, Hitler, you know, the guy from North Korea, you know, if, if it had all the, in the summer, all like sitting there drinking a beer, I would actually buy that. Like, you know, that old like tapestry of the dogs in the poker game. What? I don't get it. Why would you buy that one? It would just be so bizarre. Remember I that think shirt that, I think you should have Osama bin Laden riding a T Rex. Yeah, baby. I think but, that should be the T shirt. Okay. That but, actually, but, I'm going to be quiet now. I'm afraid some Muslims are going to hear this and come kill me. Fakwa on you, my friend. I don't know what that means. It means a death sentence. Well, but I don't, here's, I don't here's want a fakwa on me. Yeah, dude. I'll put a fakwa on you. Okay, everybody. I'm putting a fakwa on Pete. No, don't. Why are you saying that? You know I got to edit this out now. I'm totally uncomfortable. <laughs> I feel like I've just been hexed. <laughs> Please. You got to keep that in there. You cannot take that out. I don't this think I can. Best. Hey, it doesn't count if a Christian a puts a fakwa. I a bad feeling about this. <laughs> it, 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 it's null in effect. It, it, it's like it's like Papa Smurf putting a curse on you. He doesn't do that. He, he the only Gargamel does that. I, I I don't even know how to respond to that. No, you shouldn't. I don't think I'm going to. Boy, this smack talk has gone downhill real quick. That's all I'm no, saying. No, it's been glorious. Hey, look, they have they have roused the sleeping giant. They have awoken the animal. They have poked the bear. Now that I know I'm offensive, I'm going to use it. Stop. (laughs) I'm only teasing. And uh, this week's episode was brought to you by MoGiv. (laughs) (laughs) Supplier of Fockwatch for church plants for 50 years. Oh, oh. No, but in all seriousness, this episode has been brought to you by MoGiv, and that's spelled cleanse the palate, cleanse the palate, M-O-G-I-V. No E. There's no E on the end of that. (laughs) Dot com. (laughs) (laughs) You know they're going to be listening. This will be like the one episode they listen to, and they're going to be like, now why are we sponsoring them? Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. We need to put a really bad title on this one. Something that no one will uh, uh no. How to start your 501c3. Oh, they might like that one. Yeah, I know They're people might people. actually listen to that one. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I'll think about that. I think at this point it's almost a little bit too late. Uh uh, maybe you should put a title like uh, "Why All the Charismatics Got It Wrong." Well, here here's the deal. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ignore that, and then the second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to make up the MoGive commercial. This time we're going to have a fresh MoGive commercial. You ready? I am. So, uh, Pete. Yes, Peyton. I hear you want to start a church, and you want money. That's true. Uh, But I don't know that one necessarily needs to come before the other. (laughs) Yes. Well, Pete, if you have people willing to throw money at your church plant, you're going to need a quick and easy online giving vehicle and platform for new and growing churches to harness the power of accepting money. How do I do that, Peyton? Peyton, you go to... You go to MoGive.com, and that's spelled M-O-G-I-V, no E, MoGive.com, and you sign up for a quick and easy account. Once you're up and running, you'll have someone contact you and see if they can help you set up all of your giving online needs for your church plant. That's awesome, Peyton. (laughs) If you hadn't told me that, I'd still be using PayPal as a cheap and easy placeholder. Stop it. Why would you do such a thing? <laughs> MoGive is there for you now. MoGive. Oh, you got to sing. M-O-G-I-B. <laughs> all right. So this is the podcast episode where I'm going to give all the marketing advice. And Pete's going to tell you about all the church planning. We just did a little swap the tables on you. So the first thing I want to tell you about church planning is it's going to be rough. In fact... <laughs> No, you should say the opposite. It's going to be really easy. (laughs) Well, the first thing about church planning is if your church doesn't have 150 people within three months, it's you. 
you did something wrong. Mm. You know, maybe God doesn't love you. Uh, maybe you haven't been reading enough. Uh, you know, th- <laughs> that, that, that could be a big part of the problem right there because really, uh, there are simple steps to take of which we preach on the podcast and Pete you should would, have number of people in no time. Yeah. Pete, would you say also that, uh, they would need to stockpile, uh, just gobs of money, like maybe $250,000 before they can even think of starting a church. Well, not only should they have gobs of money, but they should also be taking a political stance and they should be using everything that happens politically, especially in our, uh, heightened environment where we're coming into the elections as an opportunity to reach more people, uh, politically speaking, that is. Mm, so mm, that's, know, that's good, Pete. This morning's ruling on uh, gay marriage from the Supreme Court, that should be like their next sermon. Yeah. And, you know, and I was going to, I got to weigh in here on marketing because I think the number one thing that guys get wrong is a good logo. You need <laughs> to have the best logo possible uh, if you're going to draw people. Because let me tell you something, you need to have down excellence. At the, Excellence. Oh, oh, excellence. Excellence. And people are down at the bar. They're drinking. They're drowning their sorrows. They're at the nightclubs, you know, looking for love. But when they drive down the road and they see your logo on a sign of this new church, if it's a really, really good logo, they're going to come in, especially if it's an R with like a circle around it could stand for redemption, could stand for revive, could stand for refuge, could stand for anything. Has to begin with an R and should be, you know, minimalistic, flat, you know, copy Apple as much as you can. That is what will drive the traffic to your church plant. Did you hear about that uh, new church plant in Denver that uses a marijuana leaf as part of their logo? No. No, neither did I. But that would get a lot of people into your church. I'm just saying that's actually a logo in an area that might work. Church Planner Podcast does not in any way endorse the use of drugs or any kind of stimulant or depressant in any way. We do not advise and stinks. Can talk that fast. I was about to say, don't do drugs and stay in school, kids. Oh, everyone's wondering just why this podcast episode went downhill from the beginning and hasn't come up since. What is today's topic, Peyton? We haven't even told them what to expect. We haven't really had smack talk. I mean, we've been talking a lot of smack, but what's on the smack talk today? I don't have anything on it today. I I don't know. Life's been busy. Incredibly, incredibly busy. It has been busy. It's been crazy busy. Well, okay. So uh, where's Doc Brown, man? Sign us in. Crazy busy that I don't know that I can be on the board for New Breed. I don't know. I got the time for it. What are you saying this on the podcast? Because I'm just saying I'm that's not that true. You just want to go to the movies on Sunday afternoon. It is. I promise you, if you come, I'll I take have you been to on the board Park. of directors for Apologetics.com for like I don't know seven years. Do you know how many meetings I've gone to in seven years? One, zero. Oh man, I, that's the kind of board I like. You like make your board do stuff. I know, but I don't only want to be on that kind of a board. Only twice a year, and I promise to take you out afterwards to see Jurassic World. Yeah, but I could see that on my own without having I don't, to go to a meeting. I don't have to take the other board members out to movies. Just you. That is the price tag for having you on my board. Oh, Doc Brown, where are you? <laughs> Great Scott, it's time for this week's topic. So, Peyton Jones. What is this week's topic? Well, Pete Mitchell, I'm sure glad you asked because the burning topic of the day today is relaunching your church plant. So everybody talks about the launch of the church plant, but is there ever a time to relaunch it? What if you launch your church plant and it's kind of like the old-fashioned motor? You get in and you turn the ignition switch and everything just kind of stalls out on you and... Six months in, it's just nothing's happened. What do you do? Um, Is there a time, is there a circumstance to maybe do it over again? I think a lot of emphasis is placed on the launch itself. And no one ever really talks about a relaunch. And I think it's got some mileage. I think it's worth picking apart today and looking at. Yeah, I definitely do. Because uh, you and I have both talked to church planners. In fact, I mean, there's one, obviously, that's on the 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 forefront of my mind who um, started to plan a church. The core team kind of got 
out of control, as can happen in some core teams. Uh, a lot of disgruntled Christians leaving other churches. And, you know, I think this is what we need to do. And so they hear you're starting a church and they're thinking they can kind of form this church into their own image of what they want and what they see. Um, and he had issues with a lot of people. You know, some people are like, well, I don't think we should say the Bible is the end all be all authority. You know, I'm not, yeah. I'm not ready to commit to that. You know, other people, I just, it got a little bit out of control. So he closed it down and uh, immediately started a, another church plant and basically just called it a different name. Some of the same people stuck and some people didn't, but, um, you know, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I think there's, there's a lot of room for that. Um, there, there are times where let's put it this way. If I just kind of tip my hand from the very beginning and tell you that I'm a big believer in relaunching church plants because all it is to me is it's another concentrated, uh, stab at reaching the community. And there, there's a couple different reasons why I think it's good. Number one, if you just look at it, from an advancement um, perspective, Let, let's say that we're overseas in, um, you know, Iraq. You had the surge, if you remember. Um, you, they had the surge there. They had the, the, the Afghanistan, similar thing. And, you know, you basically, uh, you look at it as kind of like another advancement in to enemy-occupied territory. And people... People, you throw a lot of energy, you throw a lot of resources, you throw a lot of it at really, you know, evangelistic events. I see it as kind of a new way to push that church deeper into the community. And it might be that you throw a barbecue, might might throw a party in the park, you might, you know, do something um, just a little bit outside the box. It's any excuse to kind of get um, punctuated equilibrium. So, you know, that's using a, a, a term that means, you know, uh, kind of periods and epochs of change catalyzing. And that's what a relaunch will do. So, for example, um, if, if, when I church planted in Swansea, um, uh, South Wales, a few years ago, um, we grew to like 50 people within like nine months. And I can remember, like in Wales, you have to understand, we were already dwarfing a lot of churches out there at 50 people. Like that was miraculous growth. And particularly a lot of them that were uh, about 30 of them. Remember, we had started in a Starbucks. There's about 30 people. But a lot of our growth, our solid growth on a Sunday, we'd be about 50. And we probably really had about 70 people associated with the church. You always notice with the church particularly a church plant, what we call the church planting pistons, where, you know, maybe there's 20 people that are there one week and then they go down the next week, they don't come. And then there's 20 other people that come. And so the pistons run. And I always tell people, don't get discouraged because you think, well, if all those people came, we'd have, you know, and all you're doing is validating your own uh, ministry by the number of attenders, mm -hmm. which is a dangerous trap to get into. You don't want to do that. But anyways, it, it did. It felt kind of validating. It felt kind of nice to have 50. And I remember kind of resting on that a little bit. I didn't understand the whole piston mentality yet that, hey, you're just going to have like, it's going to go up and down from week to week. You really have more people. But um, but anyways, about 20 of those people were uh, believers that eventually I started about six months in kind of thinking, well, you know, so-and-so really wants to come and they seem really cool. Like they, they, they really get it here and what have you. And I started letting them come in. And uh, again, that church plant was aiming at non-believers. And what happened was, um, those people only lasted about three months, right? Um, the, the, within three months, I'll, I'll never forget. It was like from a May to a September, um, they were gone. Right. And I remember we kind of swelled in the summer, which in the UK is kind of uh, unheard of. And then we shrunk back down. Hmm. And what I felt in my heart, just personally, my own psychology was I felt suddenly this shift from resting on my laurels to suddenly we got to redouble our efforts again to reach lost people because we're down. Like we seem to have grown, but really we didn't grow that much at all. 
You know, a lot of that was transfer. And so I felt let's relaunch. It renewed my, my vision. It, it reminded me of the standards I held in the beginning and why I had them. I, I had to repent a bit of that. And then it renewed my zeal for my community that look, you know, I, I, I don't want to be happy with just 20 Christians. I need to go out after these, uh, people in my neighborhood. And we did. And so we started, that was when we started meeting with the mayor and saying, what are the needs around here? How can we get involved? And it was just really good. And so we relaunched um, back in the community. In fact, around that time, there's a couple of things that, that should signal uh, a relaunch of a church. Um, one of those was we moved into another building. Right around that time, we were getting kicked out of our building. And so Pillar Church, during the time I was there, we had three buildings. And um, let me tell you, every time you move a building, it's a good thing. Rick Warren said within, I think, their first 10 years or so, they moved like 22 times, 23 times, something like that. And their joke was, look, if uh, we're an awesome church, if you can find us. And every time you move a church plant, it's an opportunity to relaunch. You might just be a couple streets down. You might be a few doors down. But the psychology of it is that there's, it's this new start. And people love new starts. People love being a part of something new, including non-believers. Well, one of the things I often do is when I relaunch a, a church, I'll tell the lost people um, that I'm inviting, hey, you know what? We're just relaunching this thing. You know, it's just brand new starting up here. If you don't know a bunch of people um, and you're worried about, no, hey, there's a bunch of new people there and uh, you're not going to be alone. Everybody's getting to know each other. And, and, and psychologically, that really appeals to people because they're like, oh, cool, because I don't want to be the only new guy that turns up to this thing. So the first one is moving your building. And um, the second reason to relaunch is you're planting out other churches. So, for example, in Refuge Long Beach, um, we have planted uh, Refuge San Pedro, and that will launch July 5th. They'll do a big outreach July 4th. Um, they're in the projects in San Pedro. A little shout out to Ruben Young. And uh, on the 5th is their, their big launch date. So their whole plan is to go down. They're throwing this barbecue, kind of like a block party. They're hosting it, paying for the food, doing all that. And then um, they'll have postcards that they hand out to people as they're feeding them and talking to them, saying, hey, tomorrow we've got a brand new church kicking off in your neighborhood and so they'll build relationships. And um, so for us back at the mothership, because we're the mothership, right? We've launched out um, Impact Whittier. We've helped with two other church plants that we've, uh, I've mentored the guys and, and helped get them established. But really, we haven't seen, we haven't seen too many people leave us until Refuge San Pedro. And so we've siphoned off, um, gosh, man, probably close to like 15 people. And for a little church our size, that's a lot of people, man. Mm -hmm. So now. But they weren't as, either, so it's okay. No, 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 none of them. No, I'm teasing. That's not true at all. But, <laughs> but the reality is now that uh, they are taking off, we feel the need for a relaunch. And so there's a couple things that you do for a relaunch. And one of those is you recruit new blood, right? So we've just lost a lot of our helpers. Like we lost our Sunday school leader. We lost Ruben. He was one of our leaders. We lost. Who was um, our Sunday school? Oh, Melissa. Yeah. Gotcha. And uh, it, we, we just lost a handful of people doing a handful of things. And so we're looking around and a lot of them were young. So we're kind of saying, hey, you know, let's go recruit. And so we're starting a whole new recruitment phase because these are the things that you do when you relaunch. So a couple, couple things that you do, um, you, you go back, and I mentioned it earlier, you go back and you look at your vision. And I always think it's good. So there's this kind of like uh, uh, sweet spot that a church that's just lost a bunch of people um, that it comes into. Number one, um, the church planter, when he's just launched people out, um, or he's lost people, uh, either good in a good way or bad way. Because the first story I shared, 
that was a bad way to lose people. Um, but it was good. It was good in the end. It had a great effect. Wait, but wait, um, say that again. What do you mean? Which one was a bad way? Well, it was a bad way. Like we had people about three months later, a bunch of Christians, You're twenty about people. A pillar. Yeah, yeah, in Swansea. The first story I told, basically what happened was from that May to August um, or September, they came. And then what they did is we all liked them. They came. They, 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 they were a part of what we're doing. And remember, we were a relational church. We had discussion groups every Sunday. So it's not like just the number swelled. You actually get to know people in your church plan because you got these discussion groups. And what happened was we started building relationships and friendships with them. And, you know, three months later, they're like, well, you know, uh, this church isn't. And, and one of the couples were like, this church isn't very loving. And they were just total church hoppers. You know, they were they were spiritual vagabonds going from place to place and no place was ever good enough. And so I started the no Christian rule because of some of that and some of the other stuff, you know, this just church baggage that people bring. And I was like, I don't want to teach this and affect this to other people. Well, now you know what's happening. Now, all of a sudden, they're, hey, where are you? Oh, you know, we've moved on. Yeah, that church isn't very loving. And these new believers are going, what do you mean? Like, I don't, under, I don't understand. And now these people that have been Christians for 10, 20 years are explaining to people that have only been saved a couple months. Well, you know, they this and they that. And so I remember just thinking, Wow, man, I never should have compromised. And so we lost people. Although, like I said, it was a bad way to lose people. I, I stumbled in my own leadership um, where I, I didn't trust my instinct. I wasn't listening to what the Holy Spirit had put on my heart. And I should have, you know, but, but in order to validate um, my own ministry, I allowed those numbers to swell with Christians. And that was a bad idea. Um, but, but you'll have times where someone will come to you and please understand where, what I'm saying is you'll have people come and you're like, that person's just right for this church plant. And so don't make it an absolute rule that can never be broken. But generally, um, people don't tend to stay with you unless they're committed to mission in a church plant. You just don't have anything else to offer if you're a missional church plant. So what, what happened was, so that was the bad way. But the good way, like I said, is to um, to launch people out, like uh, launch another church plant. And so the numbers go down. What's really cool about that, and the, this is where I was going, the good thing is about that, it puts you in that sweet spot. And that sweet spot is before the Lord, where it's just you and God again. And I think every church planner, when he gets a few years in, and it's not risky and it doesn't feel like it's going to implode at any second. I think every church planner begins to feel um, kind of that, that's that tendency to rest on their laurels and sit back and say, well, you know, now it'll just, it'll just start growing, you know, by momentum. I mean, we've, we've got what they call critical mass and critical mass means that we have enough people to make this thing look desirable and they'll just keep coming over time. And 10 years from now, we'll have a thousand people or we'll have a couple hundred people or whatever. We'll just keep doing what we do, you know, Bible studies, good child care, youth group, and boom. But that's not what you were made for. And that's not why you launched a church. And so it's really, really good to shrink. And um, like I'll be talking to the church um, about that this, this Sunday. So... <clears throat> So it puts you in a sweet spot. It renews your vision for the community. So we're relaunching Refuge Long Beach. And what we're doing is we're going back into Bixby Park for a couple of reasons. Number one, we're trying to save rent. Um, but what we found was going back into Bixby, we're probably not going to save rent. So we've appealed to some, some funds that will help us uh, towards evangelism. And we're going to try to get the community center so that we can use bathrooms uh, more for the kids. Sunday school for the kids and community center bathrooms for the kids and women. But here's the deal. Um, we're going to be launching out and we're going to do everything from like a barbecue to uh, which we do monthly in that park anyways, but we're making it a big deal. Like we actually want to really go for it. We want to tell people about it. We want to visit the park week before. Hey, we're having a big barbecue. You're invited. 
Um, and we want to reach as many people as we can. Um, and what's great about a relaunch is we already have people in place that have been throwing barbecues. We can handle a bigger event coming up than we've ever been able to before. And uh, so that, you know, it's kind of cool, you know, so we've, we've got all the people that heard stories about Bixby Park excited to go back to Bixby Park. So we've got both things going for us. We've launched out of church. In other words, we've lost people, but also we're moving location. And so it's kind of like a perfect storm coming together. And uh, a lot of the people that are with us that are saved uh, came to the Lord either through our days in that park or recently through us going back there once a month. And we always said that we would probably launch another church in that park. And instead, what we've done is we've gone back and we're relaunching in that park. Hmm. It's interesting, man. It's interesting. I think <clears throat> I think probably a lot of uh, church plants go through this very same thing where they need to relaunch um, – and I would say I, I would venture to say it probably has more to do with a uh, personnel thing, you know. They've lost people, and it's almost like you got to get that fire started again. Yeah, you know, we, we've in business we're fond of the phrase "it's easier to give birth than to raise the dead," mm -hmm. and sometimes it's just you know it, it's easier to go <laughs> out there and get a convert than it is to take you know someone who's already saved and. You know, they're, they're kind of content just sitting there in the pew, pew sitter, professional pew sitter, mind you, but a pew a sitter. A pew jockey, as you like to call him. Pew jockey. Sometimes it's just easier to to do it the other way. Just go out and get a new person and get them excited. And and that's, I guess, what you're hitting on here with the idea of relaunching is sometimes that's just what you got to do. It's just go out there and get a bunch of new people. Start yeah. the fun all over yeah. again. And I mean, that that's kind of really why we're church planning anyways, right? I mean, isn't the whole point to go out and make disciples who make disciples? So we're taking the church out onto well, I mean, the mission field. on paper field. it is. What's that? On paper it is. <laughs> but the well, man, real point of the church you, is to give the pastor a job and a steady well, yeah. paycheck. Give give the give the the guy who wants to be called pastor a paycheck. Come on. So, so here's the deal, but, but what you don't do, and, and here's the thing, it is not the safe route to launch a, to relaunch a church. I mean, people don't like change, you're right. And so you have to stir up that vision. You're in danger of losing people who don't want to relaunch the way you're relaunching. Um, particularly if you're changing things to relaunch, it's a way of kind of giving a new shot in the arm, a new renewed zeal, a, um, you know, a, a renewed vision. Well, a big thing on like what we're doing, going from the school back to the park, it will look like we're going backwards. Yeah, it will. And so there'll be and, some people who'll be affected by that. Well, you know, the church is going backwards. It's not going forward. It's not going the way yeah. I thought it was going to go. Yeah, absolutely. And the way that I measure, and this always comes back to it, the way I measure success is did lost people come to faith? And I don't just mean like slip your hand up. Those of you that that know uh, me in Refuge Long Beach, we don't do the slip your hand up. God bless you, brother. I see the Lord sees your hands. We don't really count somebody to have been converted until they're baptized. And that's not saying they're not converted until they're baptized. But until they make that public confession that, yes, I am following Jesus and they're obedient to baptism, we're kind of like, well, that might have just been an emotional convert, you know, just an emotional decision. I slipped my hand up, liked what the guy said. I felt funny inside, you know. But uh, like Jesus says, you know, persecution uh, springs up and they quickly fall away. We're not looking for flash in the pans, hands in the sky. We're looking for people who are like, no, man, my whole life is changing and I'm laying it down for Jesus. And um, boom, boom, boom. So we're talking, you know, literally, we want to see people truly converted and truly come to faith. And so um, for us, that's that's the deal, man. That That's what we're after. And what else should we be after as a church? You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's lots of churches that just want to, they just want to be a big church. Well, that's not our goal. You know, we want to infiltrate the community, introduce people to Jesus, make them into disciples. And again, you cannot read the New Testament and believe that disciples are made 
apart from being on mission. Mm. You know, you talk about, oh, well, you know, this evangelism, it's all about disciple making. Hey, you know how Jesus made disciples? He took them on mission. And that's how we make disciples at Refuge. That's why people will tell us, oh, man, you know, I've, I've never... Uh, I, I've never felt so alive in Christianity. I've never understood what I understand. Never felt the way I felt. It's because they're on mission. When you join a church plant, all those things open up in your heart that have laid dormant because you haven't been on mission. And that can happen in an established church, but it, it runs more of a, of a likelihood of happening on a church plant because church plants have to be on mission. And uh, so anyways, that, that's the deal, man. We're, we're, we're taking a bunch of people that have joined us since we've been in the school. We're taking them as pretty much as frontline as it gets for a church, do an open air church um, in Bixby Park, outdoors. Um, it's, it's pretty radical, you know, uh, cooking food for the community, building new relationships, interaction. Um, it's pretty cool stuff, man. And people that come to us, they change. Hmm. So, and there will always be people that, that will opt out, you know, like, oh, I'm not doing that. Like we told them, we said, hey, guys, it's going to be hard to park. going to be hard to park your car. Well, Parking there's two types of people. At the park. It really is. Yeah. And there's two types of people. There's people who are like, okay, well, what's really important to me on a Sunday morning is being able to park my car easy. And that's going to determine where I worship. And, and I know this sounds crazy, but for me, and I got two kids, my thought is, hey, God didn't ask me to go to Africa, right? If all he's asking me to do to reach the lost is spend five more minutes parking my car, I'll do it, you know? And, and so I think these things, part of, part of the leadership of relaunching is kind of saying things like that, anticipating the difficulty. So I'll be there this Sunday. I'll be unpacking this stuff and addressing the church because one of the things that, that you have to anticipate as a leader is not everybody gets the vision now, but you have to give them a chance. You have to sew in the vision of the relaunch, why you're doing it, why it's going to be worthwhile for the inconvenience. And again, it comes back to people who don't know Jesus today are going to come to know him. And for me on Sunday, I'll look in the room and I'll point them out because I know exactly who they are. So-and-so wouldn't know Jesus today if we hadn't been there. So-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. And boom, and that's it. You're, you're oh, these guys I'm worshiping with, these guys that help collect the offering, these guys mm. that uh, help lead worship, these guys, oh, my gosh, yeah. We totally got to go back there. Yeah, it'll be um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with, with the Refuge <laughs> relaunch. I mean, because we're talking about it on the Church Planner podcast saying, you know, maybe you need to do this, but it'll be really interesting to see how it how it rolls out because, um, I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. The, the The parking there at the park, it's it's surrounded by apartments. So people will use the parking of the park as their home parking. That's why it's so hard to find parking at the park because people live there. And yeah. I don't mean just in the park, but I mean it's surrounded by apartment complexes. So um, there was one time when uh, Jamie and I were going there and we were meeting in the park. And I don't know. We must have circled three or four times. And I was like, that's it. If we don't find a spot one more time, I'm going home. I'm done. <laughs> and... uh and so Jamie, she brings this up, you know, as, as we're discussing that the church will be moving back to the park. She's like, you know, I just remember you getting all upset because you couldn't find a parking spot and wanting to leave. And I go, yeah, but it's a little bit more difficult now that we got Luke because Luke's going to be looking at the park, you know, going, I want to go play. <laughs> you know, he's not going to understand. Daddy's upset that he's done the the circle of shame four times trying to find a parking spot. I'm not a real man. I can't find a parking spot. <laughs> I can't find one. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it'll be, it'll be interesting to say the least. I mean, I, I still remember even uh, Jimbo saying, um, there was something about like a, a meeting at six o'clock. He's like, if it's at six o'clock at the park, I'm not going to it. <laughs> Cause I mean, yeah, that park is scary during the day. Let oh, alone yeah, at man. night. Yeah. 
in the nighttime, you do not go to that <laughs> you're park. You're not going you to that just park. just do not go to that park. You go park. to that park if you're looking to get your drugs, you're looking to get uh, a place shot. to sleep, or or um, a hookup, shot. if you know what I'm saying. You yeah, know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Like, or maybe shot. Or maybe shot. <laughs> or mugged. Or, yeah, or that so- could just come about from one of the other three. You know, they, you're, you know that's just part of the deal. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and so like the cool thing is one of the things that I'll be bringing up is parking down at the beach. Like I'm not even wasting time with that. I'm going to have my baby stroller. I'm going to park down the hill at the beach all day parking, couple bucks, and I'll walk up the hill and I'll go to the park. It's right across the street. So that's what I'll be doing. And so I'll suggest that. Yes, hey, guys, rather than do that. You don't understand us redheads. We do not spend that much time in the sun. The beach isn't that close to the park. Hey, all I'm saying is he who tows the trailer parks in the special spot. That's that's a really good way to get volunteers, by the way. <laughs> they get the guaranteed good spot. Absolutely. That's hilarious. Hey, and by the way, guys. Oh, no, I can't say that. <laughs> I really wonder where you were going now. Mm, I was just going to say how much it is the, the the lowest price to get that special sweet hookup for uh, traveling, for, for moving a church from point A to point B that uh, I, I can't say it. Apparently not. <laughs> I, I couldn't read your lips, man. I, I have no idea what you just said. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. So, uh, so yeah, so those are the things that you got to do. You definitely have to stir up vision and it does require a lot of planning, um, to relaunch, uh, particularly if you're going to move location. I mean, you know, all the planning that went you really into gotta sell it to the core team first. Absolutely. You're, well, at this point, it's your leadership team. Um, so tell me how you sold it to the leadership team. That's the best story, man. So we're, we're sitting there and, um, and I'm telling the guys, I'm like, Hey, you know, we're coming off the mothership. You know, we've been sucking off the teat of Refuge Huntington Beach for, you know, a few uh, few years now, enjoying their accounting, um, enjoying their bank account. Enjoy- <laughs> oh, it's so bad when I can see your face. And uh, so, you know, we're, we're, we're on their insurance policy. We're operating under the 501c3. So it was really comfortable. And but really, we needed to be off a lot sooner than we were. And uh, that's a whole other story unto itself. But anyways, finally, we broke free. And and always when we were on the mothership, um, it was it was pretty bad at times. Like they couldn't just straightforward off and tell us how much money we had in our account. And so that was that was really the main reason we had to get off is we felt at times we're flying blind here because of the way that the accounting was done and stuff. But here's here's the deal. When we did break off, we didn't have a cushion. So I was like, look, guys, we we don't even know right now because when we're on the mothership, if we dipped into the red, um, it's a mothership. It's all one bank account. They they (laughs) They could float few hundred thousand dollars, you know, Hey, no problem, which <laughs> is not anywhere near our operating budget. But we, we, anyway, so we, we were cool, you know, it was like, great. But now it was like, okay, we have our own bank account. We got our own stuff. Like we really have to be able to float this and our giving had really dipped. And so at the end of the day, you know, I'm talking to the, to the core team and I'm saying, Hey guys, um, Here's the deal. Uh, we may need to go back in the park. Now, Now listen, and I was just totally honest, always be honest. And we've been honest with the congregation. We've told them, look, financially, we need to build a cushion up. Uh, we're going to have to cut back. The school's expensive. and But here's the deal. We do, and, and luckily, we had been doing outreach there, and we had always talked about launching a church there. So we were able to be honest and yet still not put, oh, we have to go to the to the park. We didn't have to. Um, so anyways, I share with the team, look, here's our options. Um, and, and the park was one of the options. And everyone's sitting around. And of course, you know, right away, they're all concerned. Ah, you know, that that would be a step back. We've we've done so much work in the school and we've, you know, we've really come a long way and we've We've, we've really gotten, you know, deep into this neighborhood now. I mean, people walk to us and, um, and it's still within walking. This is a block and a half. 
But, you know, all of the things came up, child care, this and that. And um, all I could hear were the concerns. And when I'm sharing, particularly with my team, I never steamroll my team. I want to hear what my team has to say. Because if I try to, you, you brought up the point about it. If if there's not buy-in there, I remember church planning. And, and before I was a church planner, I could be a steamroller. I'd sell the vision. I'd put the spin on it. And I'd try to get my way. And I learned in church planning, if you do, that's the biggest mistake you ever make. Um, if you don't have buy-in from your from your team, nothing's going to go well. And I can remember when we launched Missional Cogs uh, in in Swansea, um, the guys who bought in, their Missional Cogs did awesome, just mm. grew. People got saved. The guys that I, I never fully convinced but kind of steamrolled into it, their Cogs just shrunk and pretty much eventually died. And I learned then that even when your idea is awesome, if you and, and it's it was almost like having a controlled experiment, you know, there was like the the control group, you know, and then there was like the new drug test group, and 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 what happened was, you know, we had immense success with that, but then also, you know, horrible failure, be and it all came back to buy-in, and so um, going back to the core team in Refuge Long Beach. Um, we weighed up all the risks and there's one guy who's on the team and he just, I don't know what, it was prophetic. And it got me looking at this guy like, I think he's got the gift of prophecy because he said, I think it was like two sentences and immediately it changed the atmosphere in the room. The entire conversation stopped on a dime and immediately everyone changed their mind and said, yeah, we need to go to the park. What did he say? He said, and I can't remember exactly what he said, but it, it literally, it was the Holy Spirit speaking through this guy. Hmm. And it was something to the effect of, well, if it's a matter of doing everything uh, it was something like if, if it's a matter of our safety and security as a, as a church versus reaching the lost in our community, I think it's very obvious what we have to do. Hmm. And he said it humbly, but it was just said just like that, that briefly. And everyone just sat there stunned for a second and everyone went, he's right. He's right. You know? Hmm. And that was after about a good 30, 40 minutes of bringing up all the concerns and all the things we'd have to do. And what about breakfast? And what about this? And what about, you know, childcare? And what about transport? And what about the parking? And what about, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I find it interesting, though, <clears throat> that we bring up all of these concerns. But, you know, the business guy in me just shakes my head and goes, yeah, but it doesn't change the financial situation. We're going to the park. You know, it's kind of like, <laughs> don't you understand? Um, if there's if there's not the money for the rent, then yeah, it okay. We're gonna meet in a parking lot. I'm cool with that. Show me one that we can meet in. You know, it's like you can throw up all the concerns you want, but I don't know. Unless you're willing to pay up, literally, in many cases, then you have to shut up. Yeah. Well, and what's really cool about our leadership team is they all give. Like this I, don't, is I didn't mean thing. it like that. I didn't mean it like that. Yeah. I'm just saying, though, if there's no money, then, you know, and not well, that there's no I money. I have to but. say, though, I have to say this is really important. And Mark Driscoll brought this up like years ago um, that uh, one of the things he did before he ever put anyone on diaconate and eldership is he made sure that they um, that they gave that they tithe, that that was a big point. And I agree with that. And I, I have to say through MoGive, cause I'm like the online administrator, it tells me every time someone gives through Mo, MoGive. So, Mo you know, M O G I V. We were, and I can them. see. We redeemed them. <laughs> Fuck what? So that sounds anyways, so bad the, when you uh, say that you really got to stop saying that. It's the best word it ever. It sounds really bad. Like, what did he just say? 
Yeah, yeah. What, but but it, it means it, it doesn't mean what you think it means. I'm it just means saying to kill somebody, Pete. It's not horrible, you know. It's like a, <laughs> you're thinking that other horrible word. I I'm am thinking about, that other horrible word. No, fuck what is a happy word? It means to kill you in God's name. <laughs> it's as an infidel. Word. It's a happy word. It's a happy word. <laughs> Love it. So anyways, um, but, you know, and it goes back to something else you said when you're saying about bringing up all the concerns a business guy in me comes out. And I think, but man, look, at the end of the day, we need to save this money. But also, well, see, too, I, don't, I don't see. I Actually, I'm not saying it like that, because here was the concern that I had. And and it's still one that we won't know. The, the mindset of people isn't I got to give 10 percent, right? The right. mindset of people is, and we've talked about this on the podcast. Oh, you know, I'm in this mega church and my tithe wouldn't even cover the electric bill for a month here. You know, like, so when people see, oh, well, if we're meeting in the park, well, this can't cost as much. I guess I don't have to tithe as much. Like, to me, the fear is when people see the surroundings go down there, they might actually think they can get away with not giving as much. And I'm just, I mean, it's one of those things that because we never tracked it before, because we used yeah. the mothership, we don't know what was the giving like before when we were meeting in the park. Did people go, oh, you know what? Now we're in the park before we were in the community center. Um, you know, I could see the bills there. I mean, you don't know what's going through people's minds. So. No, no. But we we will make that very obvious. That look, you know, with what's coming in now, that's what we need. And so. But, but it, it underlies the whole thing that I think that we make church into. We make church into being comfortable. Yeah. And comfort comes before uh, our own personal comfort comes before the need of the lost around us. And I would say that that probably is just ripping the curtain back onto why we're not reaching lost people. Remember our, our tagline, if you want to reach ones, no one's reaching, you got to go or no one's going and do what no one's doing. Mission should not be easy. Mission should be costly. Mission should be something that is tough and difficult. And you only have to read Second Corinthians to hear Paul's account of what mission has cost him. Um, what did mission cost Jesus, right? What did mission cost Every one of the 12 apostles, except for John, right? Well, John had to watch all of his friends die and his partners die. But what does mission, mission is costly. And we are a church on mission. We are not a church that exists for itself. We're not a church that exists for the comfort of our people. And that will be one of the things that we will say, you know, is mission is costly, but mission is also the most rewarding thing you will ever do. I'm writing that down because I'm sharing that on Sunday. <laughs> You're tweeting it. <laughs> I'm brilliant. You just quote yourself in your tweet. <laughs> Hashtag Peyton I'm Rocks. I'm going to tell him that on Sunday. Mission is costly, but it's also the most rewarding thing you ever do. And I don't know why I'm speaking in the gingerbread man from Shrek. <laughs> You're sick. Okay, okay, so my my quote. So now it's your turn to come in and say something profound or how profound I was. Even better. <laughs> I'm leaving that part in. <laughs> what are you looking at? Uh, actually, the church's <laughs> bank account. <laughs> I see you looking over like, mm, you made me. You made here? me look at our church's bank account. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, we good. don't have to go to the park after all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so just scratch everything we just said in this podcast. Just never yeah. mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to the park. We're rich. <laughs> so long, suckers. <laughs> We're staying in the school where we got air conditioning. Easy parking, baby. It's all about Easy the parking. parking. It's all about, hey, look, if I gave a little bit more, can we stay in the school so I could have a parking spot? <laughs> How about this? Can we, like, sponsor parking spots? Like, I'd be willing to pay extra if I could have a parking spot at the park. Yeah, totally. Totally. We'll have a guy. If you if you up your tithe, we'll have a guy go there at 6 a.m. 
and stand in the spot till you get there. I love it. I love it. You can buy parking spots at the park. That'd be awesome. I totally yeah. get it. Hey, the, the church used to sell pews, right? Why not? Catholic church back in the Middle Ages. Like, this is my family's pew. You're sitting in my pew. Why not? Heck yeah. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Pew. Who named it pew? <laughs> hey, all I'm saying is there's no ventilation on those things, man. It's it's the hardwood. You're sitting on it. Anything squeaks out. It's got nowhere to go. It's going to squeak. That's for sure. That's right. And the person behind you is on their knees, you know, in a posture of prayer. Their nose is right about the ledge of that pew. I'm just saying. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> Aptly named. Okay, so this podcast has quickly gone back <laughs> it's downhill. Officially over. <laughs> so with that, Peyton, um, who else is sponsoring this particular episode of the Church Planner Podcast? I just want to know at what point you cut everything. That's all I want to know. I told you I'm cutting it, and then Good. I'm bringing it back right when you said I could quote you, or you need to okay, come up with something right, memorable. Right. Okay, all right, but we're, you haven't been recording all this, right? I didn't turn it off. Well, you know what I mean. You'll edit all that stuff out. Oh, no. So I'm leaving can... it. What are you talking about? Huh? I'm leaving it. Are you? Yeah. All this that we are just saying about pews? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have a strange double standard, Pete Mitchell. I do. I really do. <laughs> you really you do. know what irritates me more than anything else on the podcast are the long pauses. I usually go back and edit out all the long pauses. They're all your fault. But when, when I but when you want to go after the charismatics, I leave that in. You're supposed to be like the salesman that asks all those questions during the pauses. Yeah. Um, usually the last person who talks then follows it up with a question, which is what I was trying to get through to you with the Larry Osborne oh. interview. So before I pause, I'll be like, what do you think about that? Pete? Yes, actually. Yes. Okay. All right. That's, from now on, watch me go. There you, all right. There you go. I'm going to do it from now on. G-I-J-O. Knowing is half the battle. The battle's half won. Yo, Joe. Now I know. Well, uh, Simplify Church is the answer to your question, Pete. (laughs) (laughs) And what does Simplify Church do, Peyton? They do everything. In fact, I just learned a new thing that they do today. So, okay, Simplify Church is a bookkeeping service for church plants. Now, it can be for big churches. They run a lot of big church accounts, but they're also wired. No joke on this. A lot of bookkeeping services will not touch church plants. You know how I know? Because I called a few of them when we first started up, and they're like, no, no, you know, you got to be, how many people you got? No, sorry, we can't help you. You got to be at least 1,000 people or 500 people or whatever it was. And I'm like, well, we're a church plant. Can you recommend anyone for us to go to? And at the time, they couldn't. Well, Simplify Church is started by church planners for church planners. And what SimplifyChurch.com will do is they'll handle everything from your bookkeeping services to IRS compliance to uh, end of your tax donor receipts to even reimbursements. So let's say you're getting reimbursed for something. Um, they will help you report that to the IRS and keep record of it. And then you send them a copy of your receipts, and they reimburse you for any church expenses. They do that, too. So it's you cannot believe the amount of time that these guys will save you. And to quote Pete Mitchell, who came up with an excellent uh, tagline for them. What was it? What was your your cool little tagline no for Simplify Church? Something about the non-math pastor. Oh, yeah. They're for the non-math that, pastor. That was it. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought it was something like bookkeeping service for the non-math. You had me at non-math. That was me. That's very you. Yeah. Absolutely. So simplifychurch.com is one of our sponsors today. Go check them out. And if you inquire about them, let them know that we sent you. And uh, with that, Peyton, why don't you give them the final sign out? All right. Well, hey, thanks for listening today. Um, (laughs) We apologize for today. So I don't have to come back on next week and apologize next week for today. So uh, if we say anything offensive, we apologize now because we're sure we did. He apologizes. (laughs) Pete no longer receives hate mail. Hey, this has been the Church Planner Podcast. Thanks for joining us, guys. And we're reminding you that if you want to reach the ones no one's reaching, you need to go where nobody else is going and do what nobody else is doing.
Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Thank you.